are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I invite you to stand again with me, just getting you some exercise, getting the blood flowing this morning. But in honor of God's Word, I'm going to be reading to you from 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. This is my favorite passage of Scripture. 1 John 4, verse 7, and I'm going to go all the way to verse 21. And if you're actually looking in a Bible, it probably has a a subheading over it that says something like, God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his love, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected. In us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in in him by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world and this is my favorite verse there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love we love because he first Loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen uh, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother. With the help of the Lord Jesus today, I want to preach to you on this thought greater than. Greater than. You may be seated. One of the first things I did in preparation for this message today was I typed the word fear into my Google search. And 759 million results came up. One word with four letters and hundreds of millions of internet entries came up. Fear is a noun and a verb. As a noun, it means an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. As a verb, it means to be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. It's an old English word in its origin called fear, which means calamity or danger. And so I looked up some articles on psychology today, and I got some interesting information about fear and its influence in our lives. 
Fear is a vital response to physical and emotional danger. If we didn't feel fear, we couldn't protect ourselves from legitimate threats. But in our modern world, we often fear situations where the stakes are low, but our body and our brain are still treating the threat as lethal. This can trigger an extreme and often unnecessary fight, flight, or freeze response. As a result, we may find ourselves avoiding challenges that could benefit us. When people today face deadly or extreme danger, it can sometimes result in lingering trauma. These traumas can trigger a fear response within us that is hard to quell even when we are no longer at risk. Fear is a chain reaction. There's your brain on fear. There it is. That starts with a stressful stimulus and ends with the release of chemicals that cause a racing heart, fast breathing, and energized muscles. You might feel that just thinking about it. Among other things, it's also known as the fight or flight response. Now, I made reference to this illustration in Bible study a few weeks ago that in Pixar's movie, Inside Out, the creators attempted to illustrate how our emotions fight for control in our brains. And one of the characters' name is Fear. Ben, you got my picture of the cartoon character? There he is. Isn't he pitiful? He's just pitiful. And last night, late last night, I had forgotten and realized that I was actually fear for Trunk or Treat a couple years ago. There, there we are. There's the Ellis crew. And there's me with the purple hair. I don't know if you can see. I'm trying to hmm, make that expression or whatever. But I have a clip from the movie that I, I just want to play for your entertainment today. We can show it. When the unexpected is staring you in the face, fear is there to keep you safe. With speed and wisdom, fear assesses the situation and settles your nerves in his own special way. He's got this. Thank you, fear. (laughs) I don't think that's an exaggeration, actually. But Fear's job in the movie, Inside Out, is to keep Riley from potentially dangerous or harmful situations. And anyone who is taking care of small children understands the protective quality that fear actually offers in a dangerous situation. It's an instinct, you might say. And of my three children, the toddler who was the fearless one, I'll let you guess which one it was, was the one that made me a nervous wreck more than the other two because she was not afraid of anything. And so that instinct just never kicked in when I really needed it to. And so she stressed me out, especially when I was in public. And so if you want to know who I'm talking about, see me afterwards, I'll tell you who it is. But the truth is fear is powerful. And while I enjoy the movie Inside Out, Based on my own experiences, I don't think the character accurately portrays its potential influence in our lives. Fear is forceful. Fear is strong. And it can be debilitating. And if I had been part of the creative process there at Pixar, I would have suggested that fear look very different. I would have suggested that fear would be really tall, 
really ugly, really muscular, this bad-breathed bully who was real negative and cruel. Because you see, fear, especially anxiety, is something that I have struggled with all of my life. I even wrestled with it all last week, knowing what my assignment was today. It's cruelty and fierce influence in my life manifested itself for the very first time when I was just two years old. One of the negative ways that fear impacts us is through our memory. And I say that to say that I remember this event, and I was two years old. I remember that I broke out in hives all over my body. I remember how uncomfortable I was. I remember crying. I remember those raised bumps all over my skin, those patches that I could not stop itching. And finally, my wonderful parents took me to urgent care because they had no idea what was going on. And so at the suggestion of the doctor who was treating me, he said, why don't you take away all of her stuffed animals? Because apparently I was reacting to something. There was some kind of allergy at play was his thought. And so when that theory didn't prove true, I got my toys back, thank God, in case you were wondering. They gave them back to me. But they came to this conclusion that I, Kristen Pasley, at the tender age of two years old, was having my first anxiety attack. Now this begs the question, since I was raised in a preacher's home, what does little Kristen have to be so fearful of at the age of two? Well, the answer that my parents came up with and the one that the doctor agreed with was that my mom was getting ready to have a brand new baby. And this had me really freaked out. So the truth is, my siblings have brought pain and suffering. (laughs) Yay, misunderstanding into my life before they were even born. And for those of you who do not know, I am the oldest of four girls, no boys. That's right. You should feel sorry for my parents. You should feel sorry for my holy father. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth, drama to the max in our home every day. And to quote one of my favorite fictional characters, Violet Crawley, the Dowager Countess from Downton Abbey, you will find there was never a dull moment in the Pasley house. And so began my titanic struggle at two years old with the emotion of fear, or more accurately, the spirit of fear. I remember quiz practices when I would have anxiety attacks here at the Holy Church on Kemper Road. And it wasn't because I wasn't prepared but it was because I was so freaked out and intimidated to quote to people that I admired, people that I knew were quizzing icons, and our church was full of them. And so I remember one particular time, Dad told me to go quote to Susan Heimkreider, and I crumbled. I mean absolute nine-year-old meltdown 
because I knew that Susan Heinkreider was like the best of the best. She was the only, one of the only people to be quizzer of the year and highest scoring in the nation in the same year. I mean, it doesn't get more legit as a Bible quizzer than Susan Heinkreider. And the thought of quoting verses to her, I could not handle it. I was running to the bathroom. I was so freaked out. And so that struggle continued throughout my quiz years of this anxiety, this panic, this overwhelming, debilitating fear. And my sweet mother would say, she shouldn't have to go through this all the time. (laughs) To which my dad would say, she must get over this. (laughs) Thank God he felt that way because I I was a basket piece. I needed it. But there were tears There was trembling. I remember my body would shake sometimes at the quiz board. I was so nervous. And if I did get the nerve to answer a question, my voice was real thin and cracky when I would talk. And sometimes I would just freeze completely to the angst of my dad and my teammates. Because, you see, fear had established a foothold in my life. And statistics make it clear that I am not the only one who struggles with the influence of fear. We began a series on Wednesdays just this past week based on Max Lucado's book, Anxious for Nothing. Now, I didn't plan this, but apparently God did. America is the most anxious nation in the world. Stress-related ailments cost the nation $300 billion each year. Between 1997 and 2004, Americans more than doubled anti-anxiety medications like Xanax and Valium from $900 million to $2.1 billion. Why the need for medication if it's just an emotional response? Well, because science has shown us the potential impact of chronic fear. Living under constant threat has serious health consequences. Number one, our physical health, fear weakens our immune system. It can cause cardiovascular damage. It can cause things such as ulcers and IBS. It decreases fertility. It can lead to accelerated aging and even premature death. The second thing it impacts is our memory. Fear can impair formation of long-term memories and cause damage to certain parts of our brains. And this can make it even more difficult to regulate fear and can leave a person anxious most of the time. To someone in chronic fear, the world looks scary and their memories prove that to be true. The third thing is our brain processing and reactivity. Fear can interrupt processes in our brains that allow us to regulate our emotions, that help us read nonverbal cues and other information presented to us. This impacts our thinking and decision-making in negative ways, and it leaves us susceptible to intense emotions and impulsive reactions. And the fourth thing is our mental health. Other consequences of long-term fear include fatigue, clinical depression, and PTSD. Wow, what a downer on a Sunday morning. (laughs) But before I build my case in the Word of God, I want to establish the fact that fear is a big deal. 
And its power is undeniable. Science proves its power. And its influence, unchecked or unchallenged, has no limit in our lives. And the rampant need for medication to aid in the fight against it proves two things. Number one, it's part of the reality of the human condition. And number two, we are ill-equipped on our own to deal with it or to master it, to minimize its voice in our lives. And so in my opinion, this proves that the issue is so much more than physical, emotional, or mental. Fear is a spiritual issue. It is a threat to every promise in this book. And it is a threat to everything that Jesus suffered and died for. In fact, it was Jesus who would say that in the last days, men's hearts would fail them for fear. Luke chapter 21, verse 26. And based on the statistics that I just gave you, it sounds like we are living in that time right now. Jesus did not say men's hearts would fail them for being anxious. We know that God does not want us to be anxious. Paul says that in Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything. Anxious is, is a, anxiety is a reaction to perceived threats, things that aren't necessarily real, but they're real to you. Anybody been there? Clearly, I have. But fear can be based on reality, things that are actually happening, things that are quite possible. And that's the context that Jesus gave his disciples when he was talking about the end of the world. Read Luke 21. Oh my goodness. It's horrible. Hollywood can't even scratch the surface of what Jesus is describing. And Jesus is saying men's hearts will fail them for fear of what is actually happening. And yet Jesus, in John chapter 16, verse 33, tells the disciples what to expect when he is not on the earth anymore as the man Christ Jesus. He's telling them what life will be like. And he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Fear is a threat. Fear is something we struggle with, all of us, in different ways for different reasons. And so today, if it is a spirit, then what is its counterpart? What is the solution? I humbly propose to you today that according to the word of God, fear is not a faith problem. The presence of fear in our lives is not always due to an absence of faith. Fear is a love problem. According to these verses in 1 John chapter 4, I do not think it is correct to assume that fear is the opposite of faith. Faith is not a cure-all. I wish it was. It would be a lot easier to live for God if it was. And I think sometimes we grab on to this idea of faith. We believe in faith. We believe in the gift of faith here at the Calvary Church. 
And I'm in no way minimizing what faith is. It is vital. It is essential. The Bible is very clear about that. We teach and preach Hebrews 11.6 here. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Those who come to God, the Bible says, must believe. The word of God is clear about that. But what I want us to realize today is that when speaking of fear, the apostle John does not say perfect faith removes fear. John states that it is perfect love that removes fear. Remember the, John, the word that John chose here, that word perfect is translated teleo. And in the New Testament, this word often means finished, completed, established, fully grown, or mature. And so today, I am not attempting to negate the importance of faith because the Bible states clearly in Romans 12, 3, that God has given to every man a measure of faith. Yet it was Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. On Friends Day, Pastor Tom preached about the mustard seed and they passed out postcards with that little tiny seed taped to it. And the idea was that you could actually see how small that visual was that Jesus was saying. His point was, that's all you need, and it's not much. And so my point is this, great faith is not a requirement to God. Faith is, but according to Jesus, it doesn't have to be a lot You see, you may never have all the faith that you believe is required in order to do what God has called you to do or to be. I believe what John is saying here is that nothing can squelch fear like God's love can. Because love is greater than fear and his love will always be greater than your faith or the lack thereof. How can love be greater than fear in its debilitating, disorienting power? Because God is love. And he is greater than anything that we face today. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. It is God's desire for your life that his power be made manifest in you and through you. And that may scare you today. That may intimidate you today. You may feel you will never arrive at some perceived threshold of faith and stability in your walk with God. But I am here to tell you that it does not matter because his love for you is greater than your fear and his love is more powerful than your faith. Think about it. Jesus said, your tiny mustard seed of faith 
will work when you speak to the mountain. How much more can God's love do in your life when he is the force behind it? The truth is there is no limit because love is more powerful than fear. If you've ever loved someone, a child, a friend, a family member, you know this to be true. You've actually experienced it. You've lived it. Because love motivates and inspires us in a way that nothing else can. And that is why the enemy works so hard to hold us captive by a spirit of fear because he knows that love is so much more powerful than he is, that the influence of love in your life is so much stronger than any lie he could ever give you. Because God is love. And he willingly pours it out on us. No matter what we do, no matter if we believe or we do not believe. Because you see, fear and love cannot coexist. 1 John 4, 17, he who fears has not been made mature or grown up in love. There is no fear in love. Love is the absence of fear. So let's use Bishop Dad's formula today. That if the Bible says that something is true, then the opposite is also true. Fear is the absence of love. There is no fear in love. John is so clear. He's so direct. He's so matter of fact that there is no way you and I can miss the truth that he is trying to give us in this verse. When love is present, fear is gone because love removes it. You see, fear cripples us. And love empowers us. Fear creates questions in us. And love brings us answers. Fear makes assumptions. And love gives affirmation. Fear weakens us. And love strengthens us. Fear brings confusion into our lives. And love gives clarity and peace. Amen, amen. I used to think that fear was the opposite of faith. But today I'm not sure that I can prove that to you in the word of God. Suppose faith and fear are opposites. The argument could be made. I think it has been made. I think it's been implied. But it really doesn't matter because love is greater than both of them, according to the word of God. In 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, I think we've become a little too familiar with this passage and how powerful it actually is because we just think about it in terms of a wedding or defining what charity means, what love is. But 
I want today maybe to listen and read these words with me with a fresh perspective on what Paul is actually saying to us. I'm going to be reading it in the NIV. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then... We shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love never fails. Think about what that means. Whatever you fear in your life, God's love will never fail you. Even if your faith wanes, even if you don't have any faith at all. We feel guilty, don't we, for questioning God? We feel guilty for being afraid. God, if I could just get enough faith, you could help my situation. If I had enough faith, maybe I could do what you've asked me to do. Maybe I could become what I know you're wanting me to become. Maybe someday, God, I'll get there. We assume that great faith is a requirement. We see God honoring great faith in Scripture, but we don't see God demanding great faith. Based on what we've read today... I think it's fair to say that the opposite is actually true. A tiny grain of faith was all that Jesus said he needed to work with. Paul said, I can prophesy, I can speak with tongues, I can do these amazing things, but if I don't have love, if I don't have an understanding of it, if it's not real and working in my life, I have nothing and I gain nothing. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. What a lineup. My God. Faith. Thank you, Jesus. Hope. Yes, Lord, I need it. And love. And Paul concludes by saying, and the greatest. The greatest of these is love. It doesn't mean that we won't be afraid. 
the Bible says about 365 times, fear not, we will. It's part of our struggle as long as we live on this earth. In Psalm 23, verse 4, David boldly declared, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Because your love is present in my life and it's walking beside me. It's in close proximity to me. I am in the presence of God and so I choose not to be afraid. I choose his love instead. In closing today, I want to point out the context of Paul's revelation to us that fear is a spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul's saying, Timothy, you have spiritual gifts. I know it because I laid my hands on you and I prayed for you. Verse 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So today, let's not just focus on the fact that fear is not from God. I think we know that. Let's focus on, number one, that God has given us a spirit of power. That Greek word, dudamus, that makes us excited as Holy Ghost-filled people. Acts 1-8, you will receive power. That's the word he's using. Love, that agape love. And a sound mind, self-control, self-discipline. Fighting fear requires some discipline. It requires a new way of thinking. Breaking down strongholds that give you reasons you think to be afraid. When the word of God clearly takes care of all of those things through his promises, through the promise and guarantee of his presence in your life. And so I stand up here today as a witness to the fact that love motivates in a way that nothing else can. Love gives you strength and power to do things for God to do things for your family, to do things for others that you could not do on your own because you're afraid. I could have and I wanted to use one of the many characters in Scripture that the Bible lets us know were very fearful individuals. You're thinking of them right now. They're very colorful, very strong characters in Scripture. And I wanted to use one of them because it's a little embarrassing to tell you that I had my first anxiety attack as a toddler. And while that may surprise you, based on what you see me do, I stand here as a witness to the fact that love is more powerful than fear. And God's love is more powerful 
than fear. As a child, my worst fear in life was losing my dad. I was very close to him and I knew that his health was just a struggle for a long time since I was a little kid. And I also knew that what he did for a living was not helping him be well. And so I fought fear and anxiety for my dad's well-being for as long as I can remember. And so you might be able to imagine the trepidation and torment that I lived in for five years when my dad got his diagnosis about his heart. I crumbled inside. So afraid because I thought I could never, I could never lose my dad. I could never say goodbye to him. I couldn't do it. I can't live without my dad. That's what fear told me. But I can tell you that when it was time to say goodbye, there was a love and a peace in that room. You see, I'm not just speaking to you from a text. I understand what it means and In God's mercy, he gave me that revelation two years ago that love is greater than faith and love is more powerful than fear because he knew that I would stand in a room and face my greatest fear. And at that moment, faith was gone. I had had great faith and then it was clear that God had moved in And this was going to happen. It was God's will. But I can tell you that I was not afraid. Because he was with me. And love will teach you how to trust God. In a way that will silence fear and its bullying. And its lies. And its torment. And so today, I don't know what you're tormented by, but I know that you are. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe someone is sick. Maybe you don't feel good. Maybe it's the call of God on your life, or it's a gift, a spiritual gift, like Paul was talking to Timothy about, that you have not used, you will not use. You have not even acknowledged that it's there because you are afraid but I want to tell you today not just because I understand what the word of God says but that little girl that was so anxious that quizzer that could barely sit at the quiz board can get up here and put this mic on and try to preach and teach the word of God not because I have arrived as some faith giant It's not because I'm convinced that God thinks I'm wonderful. But it's because I have learned to trust in God's love for me 
And I have learned to submit to the love that I have for you. Love motivates me to put this thing on. Love motivates me to prepare even though I feel sick to my stomach sometimes. Because love is more powerful than fear. Stand with me if you will. There's a solemn presence of God. The Lord told me that he is a surgeon today. There are deep places in your heart that God is wanting access to right now. Would you, if you are comfortable, if you are not, that's okay. But if you are, would you raise your hands as a symbol of surrender, a symbol of your devotion to God? Whatever it is that you have been thinking about, whatever it is that makes you afraid, I want you to talk to the Lord about it right now in your own way. God, you know that we are fearful creatures. You know the enemy's plot and device to hurt us, to dominate us, to even control us with a spirit of fear because he understands how powerful your love is in our lives. That it's even more powerful than the faith that you said we could have that would move mountains. Your love is greater than that. It's what puts you on the cross. And so God, I pray for freedom in the Holy Ghost. The Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. For God has not given the members of the Calvary Church a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We come against strongholds in Jesus' name. We will lay them at this altar. If you feel comfortable, would you come to the front? Would you just present the need in your life today? Whatever you're afraid of, whatever you haven't been willing to do for God, Whatever assignment, whatever calling that maybe just lays dormant in your heart because you're scared, you don't feel equipped, you don't feel like you have enough faith, you feel like God could never use me because I'm afraid. It's not true today. God's love is greater than all of those things. His love is more powerful. His love can remove the fear from your heart today, but you've got to allow him. You've got to open up your heart to him. Don't close off those parts. Don't close off those doubts and those questions because you're afraid. Let his perfect love cover you today. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.